This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, can Dundee restore pride at Ross County? And United are in need of some festive cheer. Hello! Welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams. I'm Tom Duffy, and I've got a full complement of co-podders this week. That means, hello Graham Finnan. Hello everyone. Hello George Caran. Hello. And back from his travels in England, Ewan Smith. Hi, I'm absolutely sick to death of watching football. <laughs> well, that's... so am I, that's why I retired. So why did you bring me back on yeah. that? <laughs> That's not, no, a, go. that's not a good place to be, you as a football journalist, I've got to say. Yes, I, especially, especially at your age, only another 25 years to go then. Cut, cut that bit, cut that bit, because if my boss Sean hears that, then no, that, no, this no, might no, be my last time pod, ever. It's a podcast, we just carry on relentless. It's recorded as live. This is like the Beatles documentary, which I watched the first half hour of yesterday, and it was very interesting. But if you think I'm watching another eight hours, not a chance. It's worse. It's bad enough having forty-five minutes looking at your faces, but four <laughs> boys in a ro- four boys in a room sitting on chairs, no chance. There's got to be somebody's got to get shot or something like that to hold what? my attention. Anyway, this is not about the Beatles. It's about football and specifically Dundee and Dundee United. And we've tossed a coin after their great weekend performances and results, and it landed on the Dundee side. <laughs> so, first to Dundee this week. I take it you were at Ibrox, George? I was. They let me in, yeah. Were Dundee there? They were on the pitch, yeah. They, they actually, well... <laughs> they were on the pitch. I actually scored two goals. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, yeah, well, Rangers obviously were... I'd, Better, uh, yeah, had all the chances and scored all the goals, but Dundee went. Dundee put up a fight. I think um, it looked like they might make it to half time, nil uh, nil. Really unfortunate goal to concede. Um, Adam Langston's was in superb form in the goal. He was pulling off save after save, and as you say, it took his own players to beat him uh, either side of half time. Third goal was first. It? First one yeah, of the was, two. It's it, coming straight. Deflection, stroke, one goal. First yeah. one was a bit unfortunate. As a defender, I think Liam Fontaine has to stick his foot out. Yeah. Second, second one. It's, he doesn't have to stick his foot out. He has to keep his foot away. Might have got. Who was it mm-hmm. at the back post? Uh, Marshall, I think it was behind him. Marshall might have shouted. Might have done. For the box, because yeah. it was going straight to him. There was no player there. But e- even so. Uh, he was facing the wrong way and kicked it straight. No, no. It's, it's, There's a lot of physics yeah. involved there, but what did he think was going to happen? <laughs> to be fair to him, he has been really good in recent weeks, Ryan Sweeney. I know he's with the back of the net. Isn't he? Just <laughs> he, he has actually scored a couple of uh, goals. But, um, he has been excellent. It's, has. it's unfortunate. It's, it tends to be the man in form yeah. scores the spectacular own goal. That, that was the most frustrating thing on Saturday because, yeah, Rangers had lots of chances and Adam Langston's had to be in kind of top form, but the goals they conceded were weren't great and the third goal was was a bit of a nightmare defensively um had about three chances to clear it, i think and For that, those who haven't seen it morelos seemed to stumble through yeah, a couple of challenges rather than do luck. anything spectacular and Duddy had a couple of moments themselves mcgregor made a good save from mcmullen and then obviously not dying seconds 
the Griffiths hit the post, um, bounced out and hit McGregor in the face, I think, and went out for a corner, which is kind of summed up the way Dundee's day went. But it's, it's one of these, it's the Ibrox. When did Dundee ever win at Ibrox? Have to kind of keep keep the perspective of how they've been doing the, the couple of games before and the three wins and four before it, heading into Ross County on Saturday. And bear is the key thing George mentioned that they at least the, the, they maybe didn't attack enough until they were three 0 down, but they battled. They didn't surrender. Yeah, that's what you'd expect, and that's that's the way they've played the majority of the season. And they certainly never they never gave up the ghost. But you look at the you look at the score three nothing, and I've got to say, Tom, three nothing was a good result for Dundee again. Their top player was, as George said, was Adam Legsdens. You know, he's had. I mean, I was at the game. He's had, he's had two. I don't. I don't like using the phrase "world class" because it, it gets bandied about to use it. But two, two unbelievable saves. He's probably had another three or four outstanding saves. He's had a couple of one-on-ones that he's he's come up with saves. It could quite easily have been six or seven. There's, there's a couple of things at play here. The first thing is more and more often when you go to these places, Ibrox and Parkhead, I've got to say. The manager sets his team up, first of all, not to lose any goals, which is understandable. If you go and if you go and take the approach that you're going to try and get take Rangers on at their own game, you could end up on an absolute hide into nothing. But you've got to say, you know, is it any worse going there and doing not really laying a glove on Celtic and Rangers? I mean that game on Saturday, football. I think what we're seeing now, Tom, is football has evolved greatly in the last sort of just in the last ten years or so. I mean, you, you can imagine. I mean, sort of ten years ago, have you have you said you'd see sort of two guys standing inside the box looking to take the ball off the goalkeeper from a goal kick? You'd be saying, "What are you doing standing there for, you daft so and so?" You know, the, the game has changed, and Celtic and Rangers are now ahead of the yeah, co- if, you, if you were in the goal and your two centre halves were standing on nah. your six yard line I don't think I would, it would have been your daft so no it wouldn't have been that terminology I've got to say <laughs> but you know where you know where I'm, where I'm coming from I, 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 Celtic and Rangers are ahead of the game here because they've had to be because they've had to improve their law and, and playing in Euro, European football has helped them along that line and what you're seeing is now what I saw with, with Rangers on, on Saturday and I saw it with Celtic earlier in the season is that <laughs> <laughs> Where in the past they would attack and the attack would always end up with a ball in the box, a cross in the box or a shot goal, that doesn't happen anymore because basically that gives away possession to the opposition. They are now prepared to wait for the, the right openings and what they do is they keep the ball continually. So they have massive massive spells of play with the ball and they go down one side and if it's not on for them they'll come back and through the fence and down the other side. And if you're an opposition fan, that becomes extremely, extremely frustrating. And it also means that your players are getting tired out chasing the ball continually. And, you know, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's one of these things that do you actually set yourself up to have a go in games? I mean, I looked at the stats and I'm going to jump in before Ewan jumps in. I mean, I think Rangers 73%, Dundee 27%. But ultimately, they get out there with a 3 nothing win for Rangers. That was a good result. Now, if Dundee had set up maybe to attack Rangers and have a go, would it have been any worse? Could it have, I mean, do, does James McPake think that, you know, obviously it's on his head if they take a 6 nothing thrashing. 
but could it have been any worse for, for somebody like myself going through there and watching them basically watch Rangers playing around them and not having a pop until towards the end you know um, it's a tough one it's a tough one but I think you're beginning to see that now in Scottish football the Celtic and Rangers are effectively ahead of the cur- curve and how do other teams combat that very difficult Tom I think we're seeing they're, mi- they're miles ahead now I think it's only five points on the table but we'll talk about the United and Celtic but I think the two of them are, are just powering away now I, I, dropping points against yeah. anyone other than themselves looks looks a long shot at the moment I think yeah, you and a few a few finished reading this week's notes, which we all did before the program. Um, I've always been a Clive. I can't help myself. You shouldn't have owned up to that. I'm just I'm just <laughs> catching up, so it's fresh in my memory, so that so I don't have to think back. To bring, I mean, you've got your own unhappy weekend, old firm experience to, to talk about later. But Bear mentioned there, you know, what do managers do? Do do they just play their natural game, have a go at the old firm at Ibrox and Parkhead? I'm I'm in Bears camp, Bear. I, f- I think they go for it. Um, I'm not going to quote too many stats, but as Bear was talking about the slow, patient build-up, I'm thinking back when I look at Opta all the time. When you look at Celtic and Rangers, inevitably their defenders, three or four of defenders, have touched the ball over a hundred times. Which, to put in context, against normal sides, you're normally looking about 40, 50, 60 being the high end of another team's amount of times they've touched the ball. So that that maybe underlines how they're, they're willing to wait and they're willing to, to pass the ball about the back, roll it out and and, and 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 wait for an opening. But I'm in Bears camp here because I think uh, Dundee United showed the in the season against Rangers. They took the game to Rangers about a tan of dice and they got... Well, they, they got a result, didn't they? They got a result. Dun United took the game to an, an extent against Celtic at Celtic Park. You know, they pressed Celtic high up the park. They got a result. Yes, it can go horribly wrong because the danger is that you leave yourself more exposed at the back. But if you're a supporter, there's nothing worse than walking out of ground. And as, as Bear says, your team hasn't laid a glove on the opposition and you feel, well, was that for anything? You know, you, you feel let down by your team. So, I mean... It sounds like, um, obviously, uh, George was a game. It sounds like there was a, a lot of chances for Rangers, and Legston's did out was outstanding. But Dundee weren't terrible. But as being not terrible and still losing three 0 good enough, or should they, as as Bear says, open themselves up more and go for it? And then okay, they lose, they go away with a five six 0 hammering. But they might, it might be the flip side. They might get a couple of goals. I must admit, I tend. I tend to go on the damage limitation, but it, as you were speaking there, it came through my head how boring. No, no, not how boring you are. You're not boring at all. No, I can remember um, Peter Houston as caretaker manager of Dundee United when Craig Levine left for Scotland, found himself three-one down in the league at Ibrox. Went for and United had played well. Went for it in the second half. I think it got was it seven-two or something like that. It finished. A few weeks later, went there in the Scottish Cup, found himself 3-1 down again, did exactly the same thing, got a draw, United won the replay, and as you remember, if you remember 2010, the rest is history. So, in a way, I could see, uh, I, <laughs> I could see the merits of both, but maybe that maybe that one in ten time that it gives you something from the game can make it a famous season. Yeah, yeah, but that, is, is damage limitation not all almost as if you're conceding the fact you're going to lose the game before you even kicked a ball? That's 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 for me. That's what I don't like about it. 
you know that's like saying, well, we're going to get beat anyway, so let's let's reduce how much we get, how much we lose the game by. I don't like that approach at all. I'm, I much prefer a going in with a positive attitude and saying, Do you know what, we can play football as well. Let's try and impose our game on them. Okay, they've got better players on paper, but if we play really well and they don't play really well, then there is a chance. I I, I don't like the damage limitation at all. I hate that approach, and I know it can lead to hefty defeats and then and then people talk about the result and everything like that. But like you pointed out, it can also lead to great comebacks in games. I just wonder, is the, but the, the truth's not always a nice thing, but damage limitation maybe saves players. As George says, Dundee, big game this weekend up in Dingwall against Ross County. Uh, maybe not as big as it looked like it was going to be when Dundee had the disaster against them just last month, I think it was. But a chance to put real distance between them and the bottom of the league, George. Yeah, I think there's that was that's certainly part of it because Dundee were going into that game on Saturday on a real high with the two really good wins, a couple of clean sheets. But you don't want to go in all guns blazing and then say come out come away with another six 0 like they had at Celtic Park and the confidence is just shattered that they've built up. That's that's a big part of it, particularly with the probably bigger games coming up. Um, a couple of away games, but Ross County away. If they can get a result at Ross County, which they have done in the past, the recent record at home against Ross County is pretty poor, but the re- record up the road in Dingwall is is very good. Um, Trying to remember off the top of my head, but they've definitely won at least two of the last three, I think, up there. Already five points ahead of them, although County have an extra game. If you can open up that gap to eight points at this point of the season, you're starting to not even look at the relegation spot as a possibility and you're kind of looking up the table, which is where I think Dundee are at the moment in terms of their form, the way they're playing, ignoring that Rangers result. Um, but equally, come away on the wrong side of the result and you're back back in the, the relegation scrap again. So it's a proper old-fashioned six-pointer, I would say. Yeah, Bear George mentioned there Dundee. He thinks Dundee should be looking up the table. A bit of psychology from James McPake going into the game. Is it worth him saying to his players, three points here, we are, we are challenging for the top six? Yeah, there, there, there could be that. Whether he believes it or not, you <laughs> know what I mean? I mean no, I'm I, sure he's, he'll, take, he'll take survival this I, year. I don't think it's going to take much psychology. I mean, I think, obviously, it's, it's, it is a massive game for Dundee on Saturday, but it's a bigger game. It's a big. It's bigger than massive for Ross County. If you're at the bottom of the table and you're five points behind the team you're playing, you're really, really up against it. You cannot afford to lose that game. But from Dundee's perspective, you know they, they shouldn't take much psychology after what happened at Dens Park that night. I mean, they know that where the dangers are. Ross County have got one or two very, very useful players. That there can be no doubt about that. And as much as things went for them that night at Dens. Dundee were woefully poor, so they've got to set set that one straight first and foremost. And it'll be a close game, it'll be a tight game, there's no doubt about that. But but where Dundee are, there's no reason why they can't go up there and get a result. And by a result, a, a draw wouldn't have been the worst result in the world, world for Dundee. You keep the gap, you leave it where it is. What I would say is Dundee have started uh, uh, the second set of fixtures um, reasonably well. And the good thing for them is they've played both Celtic and Rangers. Now, we see fixtures coming up. I, I don't know what everybody else has got, but certainly from take St. Murn's perspective, they've now got Celtic and Rangers in their next three games. 
So I imagine a few of the other teams have still got to play the old firm, and this is now a real opportunity for Dundee if they can put some points on the board, you know, in this next run before we shut down. If they can get, you know, another half a dozen points or more, the will stretch that gap at the bottom. There's no doubt about that. So, um, yeah, psychology maybe... But the players, are, the players should be looking. It's definitely that, not revenge, but go up there and show that that, that the result of then really, really was a one-off, and uh, you know that's not going to happen again. To bring you in again, you and because uh, in a previous life, Hugh had quite a bit of experience at Old Firm games. I always used to think the Old Firm games, especially later in the season, the team that didn't have to didn't have to win, the one that was ahead in the league, very often not just because they were in the better form, perhaps. But they won because they didn't. If it was nil nil with ten minutes to go, they could take a draw. The pressure, the pressure was on the team that was trailing. Is that maybe a reason to have Dundee on your coupon this weekend? They can afford, as Bear says, a draw. See, I always thought, I thought it was the opposite. To be honest, I always thought the team that that needed it the most got the result. But I think um, in this case, I think that in this case, that's revenge for me revealing you hadn't read the notes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think in this case, I think Dundee can go in with, with a bit of custard pie right in my face. No, not at all, not at all. No, I would never do that. You're the host. You can cut me off I at any time you want. <laughs> but um, no, I think uh, there's two. There's two positives for Dundee here. Is is one that they're in an, a, in an entirely different place in the league than I expected them to be after they played against Ross County the last time. You know, it was all doom and gloom. And, and it was all uh, sweetness and light over at Tannadice when we were talking about Do you know what's that, boys? You can't criticise Dundee too much just now, so he's just going to patronise instead. No, no, I'm not at all. Right, so so I'm looking at the table. If they win the game, right, and oh, albeit results go their other way, they could move to within two points of Aberdeen. You know, it's... It's that's that's quite positive for where they are at the moment, and and I think Dundee will have that last game in their mind when they go up to to Dingwall. When when George will probably set off on Friday for Dingwall, I would imagine, but um, they'll have that in their mind when they go up. So there, there's a little bit of revenge in the in the back of the players' mind. So that's driving them on, and then also this possibility of like you say, opening a really wide gap between them and Ross County, but also looking ahead. So. I think things are looking quite good for Dundee. I mean, come back next week, they've probably lost 4-0. Before we move on, a wee bit of team news, George. Can you confirm that A, you're always late, and B, the speed you drive it means that you can pretty much leave about half past one and still be there in time for kickoff? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> well, I, I, speed camera. <laughs> I have to admit, on one previous trip up to Dingwall a long time ago, I did remember halfway up the road that I hadn't applied for accreditation on one, one game. realised that they had no idea it was coming. Yeah, thankfully I managed to bump into somebody I knew uh, on the door. So oh, they're nice up there. They're always pleased to see you. <laughs> I, had to, I had to beg almost to get in, but thankfully they were nice enough to let me in. Won't be doing that again. Oh, do you know who I am? See, Tom Dotty used to say that as well. Do you know who I am? And he definitely didn't get in. You know, that was the problem. No, but we know you're drunk now. Yes, Move we on, do. Please. You have no chance of getting in. <laughs> Georgie, we're going to give us a bit of team, <laughs> team news here. Um, well, it was good to see Alex Yacoubi back, back in the match they squad. With the <laughs> oh, no. We'll wait and see, but uh, we've um, not seen John nearly McGee enough was actually, Dundee, so hopefully he wasn't involved on Saturday, but he was doing the warm-up. He looked great. He was knocking the ball about, doing all, all, the, all the stuff for the, the other players. He looked absolutely fine, so he should be back uh, in contention for next week. Max Anderson missed the game with a knock. He'd, uh, expecting him to be okay. He's been carrying... A thigh injury, apparently. Um, 
and it was just too soon after the Motherwell game. Other than that, obviously Lee Ashcroft is out for a long time, which is a massive blow. Looks like yeah, he's um, been March great, time. So, um, and was just, I've just been at Dens this morning, and, and James McPeak says he's, he's going to be looking for a new centre half uh, in January to to bolster that. You obviously listened to the podcast last Maybe. week when I advised him to. He's, yeah. So um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. he says he was looking anyway, but um, it's de- definitely speeded things up on in that regard. Uh, other than that, I think just waiting on. There's got so many long term injuries that seem to be hitting them this season, but uh, having to live with it, I guess. And last Saturday, accepted quite recently, they've been living with injuries quite well. So well done to them. More old firm woe coming up. Right, Ewan, have you read all the notes now? Have you read the one that says, where were United on Sunday? Yeah, I've read it. I've read them. I've, they're, uh, they're still not cheering me up, to be honest with you. They make me feel depressed reading the notes. Uh, United, United, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier. They didn't lay a glove on, on Celtic. And that's, for me, I'm, I'm not a United supporter, but I'm going along and I'm watching them week in, week out, and I'm, I'm wanting them to do well because I'm covering them. And they just didn't turn up on Sunday, to be honest with you. And and it's the second game in a row that I felt they haven't turned up. And they can be excused a little bit in the Motherwell game because the weather was absolutely horrendous. I mean, it was like, you know, they were it was like a swimming pool for Park. The way that uh, you're trying to play football and that's impossible. And United like to play football, but they didn't lay a glove on Celtic. They didn't impose their game on Celtic like they did at Celtic Park. Um, Celtic, as was pointed out earlier, they've gone up a level definitely since the start of the season. Um, they were slick, they were great movement, great passing, um, some terrific goals, but Dundee United, from a Dundee United's perspective, there weren't too many pass marks. Disappointing. I mean, as you say, Celtic are possibly the best attacking team in the country right now. Yeah, I think they are, and even without Jota in their team, you know, they've, they've got so much threat, you know, t- Turn- David Turnbull was was immense on uh, Sunday, and so was Tom Rogic. Rogic, I mean, we saw his goal, I mean, he, he beat four players and then curled the ball into the net, but but for the second goal for Turnbull, the way he took that pass down from McGregor, it was sublime. You know, he took the ball out, picked the ball out there, flicked it over Seagrist, and then just, and was alert enough to just prod it into the net so you've got to forgive Dunn United a little bit in that regard and much like Legston's I think Seagrass can be excused because I think he made some very good saves in the game um, I also think that Fuchs put some tackles into the game and and showed that he's an important player for Dunn United but beyond that I'm not really seeing anything that was overly positive from a Dunn United perspective there, You had mentioned David Turnbull's sublime skill with his goal and putting the putting the ball over a big goalie like uh, Seagrest, there's no mean feat. Did strike me, even if he scores, should he not end up in the back of the net because somebody's sliding into challenge him? Whereas he was able he, he was able to just tap it over the line, and was that from what I saw that was the story at United particularly in the first hour or so. Good team like Celtic, if you give them that room, they're going to play. There maybe was a bit of that, and and and, and possibly maybe that that was a, a, a criticism you could level at Dundee as well. Ibrox, as if a team is, is playing around you, you've got to put tackles in, and we'll maybe come on to a, a tackle in a, in a bit. 
But you, no, you, you're right. You're right. You've got to make it as, as difficult as possible for the opposition. Um, you shouldn't be watching them, you know, knocking the ball in, in, in small phases around you. But credit to, to, to Celtic. Their one-touch one stuff was excellent. Their control was excellent. You know, and it makes it very difficult because you're basically not getting close enough to lay a glove on them. And I've got to say that, again, it was 3 nothing. but on another day, I mean... Kyogo Furuhashi, I don't think had his shooting boots on. Uh, he could have had uh, two or three himself, and and that that scoreline could quite easily have been have been doubled. And that's that's particularly disappointing for Dungeon United because they're at home, and I always feel that you know it's, it's bad enough going to Ibrox and Parkhead and, and and really getting turned over in that manner. But at home, when when you don't really do anything in front of your fans, you know they can feel really really disappointed, and it, and it's not like United. I've got to say they're a wee bit off it at this moment in time, Tam, and and Tam Courts will be looking at that and, and trying to come up with, you know, a, a plan to to change that. But uh, it's certainly not not going as smoothly for them as it was earlier in the season. But you can't take anything away from Celtic. I mean, they were outstanding in Turnbull as well, which is great news for a Scotland fan because you know he's got to be knocking at the door as well in an international team where we're, we're, we're quite lucky to have so many top quality midfielders the goal like you say i mean i think I, i'm not sure what he was trying to do i think he initially was just just trying to to get the ball over Seagreese, but the way he kept his balance and his momentum and, and, and it turned the swivel in but you're right there maybe should have been at least some sort of challenge going in on the on the line as, as he slid it into the net but um you know, you have just got to take it in the chin and, and move on, on to this week's game. That's that's just all we've got to do, Tom. And it is, I mean, George, you you saw it earlier in the season with Dundee at Celtic. It's a worrying, it's a worrying thing when you could almost see the confidence ebb away from the United players for a big part of that match. It's one, I think it's one win in seven now, isn't it? I, th- I think it might even be eight. Is it? No, it's one is in it? seven. Now, is, yeah. is it one in seven? Um, yeah. Well, that's that's that's. The big task for Tam Courts at the moment is, is kind of lifting his players. You can see he's tried to jolt him a couple of times recently. I think that's, that's why his post-match comments saying they're not brave enough against Sully. The kind of first half sub for Declan Glass, he was trying to jolt something out of them. Um, it's a big task of it being a manager. I think there's going to be every team is going to go through spells like United are going through at the moment. When you don't play well against Old Firm and you come away with a three, though, maybe that that's not going to affect you too much. But I think you're right. If if it had been more, there would have been a a problem. But the good thing is, there's all this time of year. There's lots of games. Livy next is a big one. I would say that's a chance to get them back on track. They do have plenty of credit in the bank, obviously, from a really good start, and then they got points on the board. Um, so I'd be looking at that Olivia game, thinking that's one where we can really get get back on track, get confidence bolstered a bit. And are they going to have any any players back? You and missing a few, which hasn't helped. Well, the hope is that they maybe have Levitt back because there were suggestions that Dylan Levitt was fairly close. I mean, that to me, that's one of the big misses from the Dundee United side you know but they've got obviously had a number of players out over the last few weeks and McNulty's getting closer he was a massive part of that Parkhead performance wasn't he oh yeah Dylan Levitt controls the game if, you, if, if you're talking about dictating play and keeping the ball and passing the ball about and, and opening up space Dylan Levitt is the man to run the show and it's crazy to think that we're looking at a player that I think he's turned 21 now 
um, and thinking he's one, he's a must pick in the team now, and and he's he's on loan, you know. So there's going to be the problem in the summer when he goes in the summer that, that they're not going to have him there as well. They're going to have to find a, a replacement for him. But it's been clearly evident with him not playing and Fuchs until until Sunday. It's been clearly evident that they they need those two in their midfield uh, to to be successful this season. And you and while you were off on your jaunt down in England, taking in all sorts of strange football games, uh, we were saying last week. Uh, in some ways, is it more difficult? Uh, not just because he's a rookie manager, but when you look at United, they haven't been doing too much wrong. A few more goals would have been nice, uh, particularly you know when they were playing well, but. It's not really obvious as to why they've had this slump because he seems to be setting up his teams well, going about it in the right way. And when when you're losing a barrel load of goals or your strikers aren't getting in the game, it's 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 obvious what the manager's got to work on. But with United, it seems to about be about lifting the whole team. Yeah, I think I think it maybe as a maybe as a lack of goals that has been an issue. I mean, I think back to. A game that really killed them in this run was the Ross County match. You know, they're they're 1-0 up, albeit they probably didn't deserve to be 1-0 up at that point, but they're just about to see out the game and then almost the last kick of the ball, Ross County equalised, and that's a a hammer blow. You know, that's two points dropped when you think you're going to come away with a win. Um, Another game in the run is the St Johnston game where you absolutely pepper Xander Clark's uh, goal with shots and you don't come away with a win, you lose that game. So there's a couple of games that have been turning points in, in the last seven um, but I think it's a mixture. I mean, Tam Court's described it as a tricky period, and I think he's referring to not only the results, but the fact that a lot of key players have been injured. You know, if you talk about McNulty, you talk about Levy, you talk about Fuchs, you know, those are three very good players that you're taking out of that side. And maybe the strength and depth in the Dundee United squad, albeit there's some really talented young players, maybe it isn't quite there um, to sustain the levels of expectation that they've raised, you know, because now, since the start of the season, Dun United fans haven't just been looking at us and thinking, well, if, if we can scrape into the top six, that'll be a good season. I think the Dun United fans are now, had been, certainly for until recently, had been thinking, well, let's get into Europe, you know, and that's that's the pressure that's on them now. Understandable, given their form previous to this run, but never rains but it pours, especially with Storm Barra on the way today. <laughs> um Giando Fuchs, who you mentioned as a key player, linked with the old firm. Even talk in the last few hours that Rangers have made contact about pre-contract. What a, what a, what a, what a saddening sigh that was. <laughs> I felt sorry for you there. You, know, I was so, you were so upset. You're like the wee boy that never got the bike he wanted for Christmas there. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I'd, I'd be very, very... <laughs> <laughs> I know, never hindered I, me. I know, but I, he's one of these players that you... I know, but he's, but he's, I mean, I'm going to be watching a lot of Dundee United, hopefully over the next few years, as long as I don't get the sack after this podcast mention, I don't like football anymore. It's one of these players that you love to watch, you know, if you're a, if you're a fan, I can see why the Dundee United fans really like him, because he's, he gives everything he's got in the games, you know, he'll go full-blooded into tackles, he'll chase the ball down, he'll make a pass, he's busy, um, it'll be it'll be a really sad day when he leaves Dundee United, but I'm I'm afraid that day's probably coming very soon. You know, I mean, it's it's obvious to me that when a player does 
Um, such an in-depth interview on transfer speculation as he chose to do uh, with um, a French uh, website that he's already thinking about where his next move is going to be. I mean, Tam Kurtz was at pain to point out that he's a very focused guy and he's understanding that he's got ambitions to move on. And he did play like he was a focused player on Sunday, but it's clear to me that Yando Fuchs has decided that his future doesn't lie at Dun United in the long term. Now, Dun United have offered him a contract, but it's obvious he's going to have options that are probably going to be far more lucrative and he's and he's 24, he's going to take one of those options. Whether that's Rangers, whether that's Celtic, whether it's a team in England, whether it's even a team in Germany, he mentioned that Stuttgart had been interested in him and he also suggested that some teams in France might be having talks. I think Daniel's fans have probably known this day is going to come for a long time, but they probably hope that this day won't come in January. The chance you take is that if they do well, unless you're one of the elite clubs in the world, somebody's going to come in for them. And and if, if you've moved country you're more likely to be willing to move. Well, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I think the fact that he's he's going to have clubs chasing the signature in January suggests that, he, that the main thing is he's played well for Dungeon. I think if you, you, you take it the other way, if you didn't have MD looking at him, then you've got a real problem, you know. Um, so you've just got to accept it. It's part of the modern game. You've, the manager's got to brace himself for, for, for losing these players. You hope that United, you know, you hope that if he does move, they get compensated properly. Or hopefully, from from a fan's perspective, always I, I I don't like seeing players players move in the transfer window. As a, as a supporter, you know I've seen it happen at Dens a few times. We saw it with Glenn Kamara going to going to Rangers in the transfer window, and it, you know it derails your own team more than anything else. So hopefully, Jean Fuchs, if he is moving, it will be in the summer, and he continues even if he has signed a pre-contract with with someone. And we know what well, you like to keep these things quiet, Tom, but sometimes they can they can come out. But hopefully, the fans will have the grace to, to allow the player to, to continue to, to play for United and give them the support as a Dundee United player. This is modern football, you know. Players have got to look after themselves and, and, and make the most they can. It's a short career. Um, Celtic and Rangers. I'm not so sure at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I thought you never know. I mean, he's still a young man at 24, but you know, he'd, he'd have to step up his game for me to, to get himself into those two teams at this point in time. So, but even so, there will be other suitors. So we'll have to see what happens over the next five or six weeks. But hopefully, he'll stay at Dungeon United and continue to perform because he is a he is a key member. He's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a big cog in that wheel that brought so much success to Dungeon United over the early part of the season. As Ewan's sort of uh, already mentioned, you know, he, he allows guys like like Ian Harks, uh, you know, to get up the park, uh, Dylan Levitt to get forward, you know, he, he's the man who does the dirty work and, and then moves the ball on simply, gets the tackles and then moves it on. So, yeah, hopefully we'll be at Tannis, uh, certainly through until the summer, Tom. George, Bear mentioned uh, a player there, Glenn Kamara, and I'm not about to be critical of him. When he was linked to Rangers, where he eventually ended up, basically did his head. Didn't he? he didn't he didn't kick he almost literally didn't kick another ball for Dundee once he knew that Rangers were interested. And as I say, that's not a criticism of him. He's a, a young guy with ambitions, and these things these things can affect players. Yeah. Uh, they're a big dis- distraction. Ewan had said that uh, Fuchs looked very focused on Saturday. That has to be the hope, or you get rid of him in January and find a replacement. Yeah, I think on top of the the stuff with Glenn Kamara. He and Jim McIntyre just didn't see eye to eye. I don't, I don't think they ever had arguments or anything because Glenn's not that that sort of guy. But 
they, there was just never any understanding between the two of them. I, I think Jim McIntyre kept trying to play him as a as a number ten because he, he's obviously done his best player, but and then he just stopped playing him altogether, uh, and eventually Dundee managed to get rid of him for a, a very small fee. Um, so I, it doesn't feel like that's the sort of situation United to be stuck with. It, it seems like him and the manager will have a pretty good uh, relationship, and that, and that should be good from. Uh, United point of view, I think to me, I, I, I can echo what Barrow's and I, I see it from a United point of view you don't want to lose your best players but I would always look at it as a positive because then if, if, if a player like Yando Fuchs moves on to, to another club and make, does really well for United, moves on gets a good move, then United can then go to the next Yando Fuchs and say, look what happened with him you can come and to our say club. that's an incredible you... coincidence. We just had a boy called Yando Fuchsi. <laughs> I know. Sorry, that was ridiculously <laughs> stupid. But then they can point to the next one on the conveyor belt and say, you come to us, we'll put you in the shop window, you do well for us, you get a good move. And keep that going. It's, it's about finding the next one is always the, the difficult part, which Dundee <laughs> didn't manage to do, obviously. As they plummeted straight to relegation but I see it as a positive it's a player that's done well for United you'd like him to do well for United for a bit longer uh, it might not happen but it's kind of good for all parties at the same time um, yeah you and as, as George said there it can be a a point that attracts players to your club I remember Craig Levine when he was at United quite openly said that's what he would say to players if you do well here people are watching us and they will t- you will get a move to a bigger club and two or three seasons and uh, the the trick is finding new players but what I'll ask you you mentioned Levitt will be gone because he's on loan if Fuchs goes as well does it make getting Ian Harks on a new contract vitally important because you don't want to be going into I know I'm looking quite far ahead but you don't want to be going into a new season with an entirely new engine room almost yeah, I think I think that is really important, and I think that's a tricky one with Ian Hearts as well because he's another player that's. Is, I think he's just turned twenty five. You know, he's he's obviously a player that's got ambitions of going probably to a higher level, and I think he still harbours ambitions of playing for USA. You know, I, I mean, his dad. I don't know how many caps his dad John had, but they were it was probably eighty ninety. It was high high caps that his dad had for USA. So. He's been outstanding this season, Ian Hearts, and almost playing himself into to get to to earning a very good new contract at Dun United. So it wouldn't surprise me if there is some sort of deal that's done here that um the three key players that are out of contract that have been offered deals are Ian Hearts, Benjamin Seagrist, and Jando Fuchs. It wouldn't surprise me if one of those three does end up signing a new contract and two of them leave. Um I don't think Fuchs will be one of the ones that signs a new contract, but it wouldn't surprise me if Ian Hearts does end up signing a new deal, for instance. Um, and he's somebody that's highly regarded by Tam Courts. You know, he's, he always speaks highly of, of Harks. Um, he's a very pleasant person to speak to, a very serious person as well. You know, he that's thinks he's deeply about the game. You and we're all very pleasant here. Oh, we're all very pleasant, yeah. But Ian, Ian, Ian's, Ian's, I think he's... He seems settled as well, um, so it wouldn't surprise me if Harks is the one out of those three that ends up signing a new deal. But equally, I've still got a little bit of me that thinks that Seagrist might might surprise us all and pull one out of the bag and might sign sign on at Dundee United. You know, so 
there is there is that possibility, but I think the the United fans are accepting that players are going. Um, I think they understand that, and I think Tam Courts is fairly open about the fact that he's likely to lose players like Jandofix. So you've got to also hope there's been a bit of succession planning, as George has alluded to, that they've already got somebody in the background that's going to come in and, and fill their space. 90 caps and six goals. Take that stat, old man. <laughs> I was close. It's not bad for somebody that had no idea that I just guessed. Aye, but a guess isn't a statistic, Ian. That was a statistic. That was That's bang on the money, unless Wikipedia is wrong. <laughs> Oh, it's Wikipedia. <laughs> so he probably played once. <laughs> no. <laughs> Before we finish with United, we'll stay on midfield. Bear uh, gave a hint earlier. Callum Butcher, Ewan, is he a marked man now? Uh, I'm not I'm not defending his tackle on David Turnbull, but it did strike me that everyone was like, that's Butcher again. Yeah, there is, a, there is an element of that. And I have to be honest, in the press box, on Sunday, when he came off the bench, there were some people uh, actually almost taking many bets on when he would be sent off. I mean, that's that's the that's the that's the reputation that he's he's got at the moment, and I think it's harsh because I I like Callum Butcher in terms of I like somebody with a bit of dig. I like somebody that you know, and we've spoken about him in the past about that. And he brings that to midfield, and I think it was what was required by Dundee United at that stage in the game because they weren't getting close to Celtic. I think they needed somebody that was going to go in and put a tackle in. I don't know if I can defend the actual tackle. Um, when I initially saw a replay from one angle, it looked like he won the ball, and then you see it from another angle, and it doesn't look good. Um, but. I do think there is something about a reputation that precedes somebody, you know, so it's probably difficult that he's going into. We'll find out at some stage over the next couple of days whether he's going to get punished, but it's probably difficult that it's so high profile that you would imagine that the SFE are going to find it difficult not to do anything about it. Yeah, Bear, is it, is, is it one of these things? Where I'm like you and I love Callum Butcher's style. He occasionally crosses the line, but I think... Uh, He's a player that would be valuable to most teams in the Premier League, but at the same time, does he have to accept people are watching him now? He is a he is a story, if you like. Well, that's exactly. Callum Butcher is a robust player, Tom, and and you do you're absolutely spot on. You need players like that in, in your team, especially you know if you're if you're battling away in the middle or to the, towards the bottom of the table. You need guys who are going to put challenges in, but they need to be fair challenges aggressive but fair and I think even Callum Butcher looking back at that challenge would admit it was it was a red card a red card challenge. All I would say is that I hope that when it comes to dealing with him, you know, the deal with him likely would deal with any other player who was in a similar situation and not deal with it with him harshly because he's put a tackle on, on a player, an old firm player. I think that things can sometimes get blown out of all consideration. I think if he'd put in a tackle against Livingston or against Motherwell or against any other, you wouldn't have seen the same sort of hoo-ha that we've seen in the press. Now, I accept it was a bad challenge and I accept that, that David Turnbull has had issues in, in the past with injury and fortunately, you know, he, he came through that one unscathed. But, but treat Callum Butcher fair, firmly uh, but fairly. That's that, That's what I would say. That's a good point you're making because if he, if he made that challenge, let's say Dun United were still in the championship and the game wasn't live on TV and okay, there was video footage of it, would there be such a clamour? There was a clamour. I mean, it, it happened after the game. There was a real clamour in the media 
um, against Callum Butcher and against the challenge and and highlighting how bad it was, would it be the same? And is it is it fair? Because I mean, you're right. If every cha- that challenge, no matter what the game, it has to be dealt with the same way. So I mean, is it fair that that everybody's seen it and everybody's already decided what they think about it? And they're already saying to the SFA, well, that needs to be hammered. You know, is that fair? Scott Brown probably got away with more than a Callum Butcher uh, would over a career because he was playing at Celtic. Um, that tends tends to be the, the just the the way of the world. And my point is, does Callum Butcher need to accept that at Dundee United, he is more vulnerable than if he was at an old firm club because people all... There's a for a start. There's many more voices saying, "Don't do that to my player." Yeah, I think that's certainly part of it. Um, in terms of Scott Brown, I think he was maybe a wee bit more uh, subtle in his, in his stuff like that than Callum Butcher was at the weekend. Uh, he was pretty clever with a lot of the stuff that he gets away with. Um, no, I, I agree. And and when it is Celtic and. Turnbull with the injuries he's had but to be fair to Turnbull he never made anything of it really he was speaking post-match I think he said he had a wee cut in his knee or something he mentioned something like that and he wasn't that fussed about it but everyone everyone else seems to be fighting his corner but it's combative kind of player Butcher is he's, he's not much used to United being suspended though that's the thing um, obviously he had the red no, card he's just, just, he's just back from suspension exactly and if you keep getting suspensions they add up to even longer so that's I think he does need to watch himself a bit saying that he was brought on to put in a wee a wee bit of bite in the tackle yeah yeah. and he certainly uh, added a bit of bite just maybe tone it down next time I would say but no I, I get the feeling he might get a bit of a slap on the wrist from that one. Oh dear well Hopefully he's at Livingston on Saturday, but we'll wait and see. And finally this week, George, pay attention. This is your idea. The dog's barking, sorry. The do- <laughs> <laughs> Give the dog a bone then. I don't know what dogs do. Give it a hobnob. We know no. you've loads of hobnobs but in your house. That's probably why it's barking here, because he's it's looking at a tin, a sealed <laughs> yeah. tin of hobnobs going, I've never had a hobnob. You don't give away hobnobs, it. come on. <laughs> never seen a tin with a padlock on it. No, enough of the dog. The Ballon d'Or. Lionel Messi. Anyone, anyone mispronounces his name? Gets a yellow card. Lionel Messi won it for the 8,943rd time. <laughs> And it was a bit of a bit of a hoo-ha about it. Yeah, I was surprised he won it, I have to say. Not that he's not top player, but didn't feel like he'd done a huge amount in the past year. Although the Copa America seems to be what's done. But Barca have been such a basket case, it was quite amazing that he won it. But then who else, who would have won it? I think you see, my first reaction was surprise, but for the other two to discuss, he did win a one of the three main international competitions in the world this year and was man of the tournament by all accounts uh, I started to watch a few games but they tended to start at one or two in the morning and I can confirm by George's grimace there Storm Barra has arrived at his house um, if you've won a major trophy I suppose it, it's hard to argue especially when some of the other candidates including my beloved Mo Salah his team didn't win anything one of you speak See, George, you're not international like we are. It's not. It's not something I really 
pay close attention to have got to see the Ballon d'Or in the world that we live in in the, in the Scottish Scottish football the Ballon d'Or doesn't really get brought up that much we're going to come on to the jute jug there so. <laughs> yeah okay okay that's coming on um, I, th- I mean you're right I, I mean Lionel Messi is a, a brilliant brilliant player Cristiano Ronaldo and you know, but I think it's it's good to share these things around, Tom. I, I, I don't think it's it done the award any good. That it's the same name that's cropped up yet again on the on the the trophy. But there are probably only a handful of players in world football who merit, you know, being named for it. And I think the, the man that you mentioned for me, Mo Salah, certainly should have should have been maybe standing up on the podium to collect he, it. He was seventh. He seventh. I yeah. think that's what caused a lot of the seventh. Fuss. Yeah. So well. Well, there you go. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty subjective. Who's, who do you think the best player in the world is? You know, it's it's entirely up to whoever's doing the voting, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's not going to change. It's not going to change Messi's life. That's for sure. No, no, you can't vote for Stephen Dobby anymore. Sir. You can't vote for Dobby's garden. Sir, <laughs> you can't you vote that? for Stephen Dobby anymore. Sadly, <laughs> no, Joel Nubley. But uh, no, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I think we're probably guilty of decrying the standard of competition that the Copa America is, is here because I mean it's that, that's a massive tournament in, in South America and it is the equivalent to our Euros over here and if he's if he's been player of the tournament and that you know that that alone lifts you to the level I mean we look at Modric a few years ago Modric was was it the World Cup that Modric was outstanding in? You know, and I think he, I think he won, he won the Ballon d'Or, didn't he? And then, and then the next year he never even made it in the top fifty. You know, it just dropped, he dropped right out of it. But, but I think to be able to raise your game to that level of competition, and Messi's one regret in his career will be the fact that he's probably not going to ever win a World Cup with Argentina. Um, and that Ronaldo's much better than him now. <laughs> oh no! Come on! Come on! Seriously. He's nowhere near it. It's nowhere near it. Ronaldo, I think I think my, my son was telling me this, and I don't know who it was. I think he told me that Jamie, Jamie Carragher said this, that Ronaldo um, is capable of doing things that every other player can do at a, at a greater level. But he says, but Messi is capable of doing things that no other player is capable of doing. And I think that's true. Ronaldo. All day long, Messi. You threw, you threw in your son. We obviously can't disagree with that. We can't, we can't give the wheel a kicking, can we? <laughs> 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 that, that's not fair. Anyway, to, just to keep Bear interested in this then, Bear, if there was a jute jug for the best player on Tannadice Street, stroke Sandyman Street, to keep you happy, you Dundee fan, who would it go to for 2021? <laughs> well, Tom, there could only be one and he would he would say so himself Danny Mullen because he is the best he is the best no fair play Danny Mullen he, he's been a guy that's that's had real real injury problems um, he's overcame them he played a major part in Dundee's uh, playoff success last season terrific goal down at Rugby Park and he started scoring goals in the top flight as well and he looks a right good striker and, and a right good confidence striker at this point in time so for me the jute jug Goes to Danny Mullen. You you can't say Messi. Oh, he has played at Tannadice. Oh. Su- surprise, surprise! I'm not going to go for a Dundee <laughs> player. <laughs> um, I th- I, th- I actually think I would give it to Ryan yeah. Edwards sure. at Dundee United because I think Ryan Edwards is has been somewhat of an unsung hero. I think he's getting a bit more praise this season than it's merited. But I mean, it's it's a fantastic decision by Dundee United to give him the captain's armband. I think that's a brilliant decision because he is a leader on the park um, 
by his performances, but he's also a talker and he's a talker off the park. But he has contributed enormously to Dundee United's defensive success. And I know maybe we can say in recent weeks that hasn't been great, but he has contributed enormously to that. Um, I suspect that he'll have a pivotal role to play in the rest of the season for Dunn United as well. So I'd give it to Ryan Edwards. Right, George. Uh, oh, on a similar theme, I'd, I'd I'm going to have to stick with Dundee, obviously, but I'd, I'd give it to Lee Ashcroft. Uh, impact he's had for the Dark Blues. Um, similar to Ryan Edwards, huge player at the back, but he's also scored goals. They've scored nine goals since the, the turn of the year, including the goal that confirmed promotion. Uh, alongside Danny Mullen in that game at Kilmarnock. I, th- I think he's been a tremendous signing for Dundee since he's arrived and he'll be a huge, huge miss over the next couple of months uh, or longer if it's going to be. But no, I'd give it to Lee Ashcroft. Well, I have to say for what it's worth, I'm just a humble presenter these days. My punditry life is long since past, but for me, it's all about Charlie. But enough of my personal problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's either... Charlie Adam or Charlie Mulgrew. And I know Charlie Mulgrew only arrived in the summer. But for me, I can give one reason as a case for both of them. They've been good with the ball at their feet, but they have also had a big, big influence on their team. The way United defend when Charlie Mulgrew's in the team, I think, is... Is a lot to do with him. He's calm, and you could. He was a player on Sunday. Uh, I noticed a few times going, basically saying to those around him, "Hey, there may be a good team, but we're a good team. Get the ball, play, get in. Don't stand and watch them." And Charlie Adam has that similar influence over Dundee, uh, and 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 they've both still got so much to offer when they've got the ball at their feet. I mean, neither of them, I think, want to run a hundred yards. And, and be box-to-box players anymore. But that's that's understandable, particularly in Charlie Adams' case. So, But I just think I think they're, they're the guys who have influenced the team as well as played well for it at Dundee and Dundee United. And you'll notice that by picking one from each club, I sat on the fence. That's a cop-out. I thought you were going to sum up and tell us which of the challenges you were going for there. No. Why would I do that? I spent a whole career never expressing an opinion. Why am I going to start now? For God's sake, man. Anyway, that's all for this week. Well done, chaps. Good to have you back, Ewan. Maybe next week you'll pay attention. And before the first five minutes of the show, George, I hope the roof withstands the storm. Me too. And Bear. <laughs> and Bear, we'll be here next week just because that's what we do. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.